I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello. Uh, why don't you come on in to the drawing room here at the Leaves of Glen Mansion? It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. Uh, this is where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. This week, I'm reading The Dinner Guest by Brandon Faircloth. I was supposed to read The Castle of Terror by Carolyn Farr. Uh, but I s discovered this story on No Sleep on Reddit, and uh, and I thought this is a good one. Maybe I can hold off reading this book that may or may not get me sued by reading one where the author has given me permission to read their work. Uh, you can find this author uh, on Reddit at uh, the username Veristall, which is going to be in the show notes, and at their website, Veristall.com, uh, and at Amazon, where they have their books, except that uh, that URL so long, I'm not going to read that off. You can just go find that in the show notes, and their YouTube channel, which has the same thing, where it's too long for me to read out loud, but uh, it's in the show notes, too. Uh, the author competing with me has a YouTube channel where they read their own work, and I checked out a couple, and they're pretty darn good. But is it as good as me? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess you have to leave it up to you to find out. But uh, also, you can just not go to their YouTube channel and love me instead. Uh, but anyways, you can find all that information in the show notes and also on the website. Anything else? No. Don't know anything else about this author. I looked around on their on their website and uh, whatever uh, on Reddit, and I couldn't find anything about them, which seems to be the curse about authors who are still living. Uh, they don't write about themselves. Don't know crap about them. So all that does is leave me with a ton of time before the grandfather clock goes off, and I still have nothing to talk about. You think, oh, Glenn, you got a few things you probably could talk about. No, I got nothing. Am I on Twitter very much? Nope, hardly at all. No fun stories there. Uh, yeah, how's it with the girlfriend living with you? It's fine. We're both lazy as hell. Uh, we're supposed to be moving your stuff into my house from the giant pod that showed up. But uh, we're both so lazy we haven't done that either. Uh, what else? I just lay around the house. Uh, how's your career going? Fine. Fuck off. None of your business. Uh, how's the dog? I don't know. The dog's not my problem. It's my kid's problem. Uh, I got a lot of cats in the house. How's that going? Who cares? No one wants to hear about that. So what do people want to hear about? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to Italy at the beginning of next month. Uh, lady friend and I uh, got these tickets a while ago, and we've been planning this trip to ancient Rome. Because I'm a big dork when it comes to Roman history. So uh, that'll be fun for me. I've always wanted to go there uh, pretty much since I was a kid that learned about Rome. Uh, and so that'll be fun for me. That's going to be a great time. I'm going to meet up out there with another podcaster, Wanda, from uh, from Words to Ideas podcast. 
uh, we're all going to meet up. Me and my lady friend and, uh, and Wanda and her husband, we're all getting together in Rome. Uh, she says that for Europeans, Rome is kind of like a, eh, not really a place you want to go to. I guess it's like going to, uh, I don't know, the water slide place in Wisconsin. Uh, no one really wants to go there, but you wind up having to at some point because someone invites you out there. And you go down the water slides, it's all kind of white trash and you hate being there. I guess that's how Europeans see Rome. I don't know, but we're going to find out. We're going to go there. Uh, our hotel is cool. It's got catacombs in the basement. So I'm bragging. So, uh, you know, potential world war and uh, pandemic is spreading in Europe again for the millionth time. So they might have shut. So all these things uh, permitting, we're going to be there. Is that exciting? Not really. Am I just bragging? Probably. Uh, what else do I have to talk about? Uh... God, this clock won't go off. Should I just sit in silence until it goes off? Maybe I should do that. I bought a new Android phone. Did that. Uh, I... My kid has my car. Oh, thank God. There we go. Well, with that, why don't we dive into the story? Settle down here in the library, because I won't let this bit go, uh, as we read the dinner guest. <coughs> when I came back from the restaurant's bathroom, there was a, a strange man sitting with my family. Oh, my first thought was that there was a waiter or even a manager. It seemed like a very nice restaurant. The bathroom had been large and beautiful, with dark marble floors, mirrors the length of the walls, and a small elderly man uh, seated in the corner uh, to offer towels and mints. And the area where we sat was, wait, what did any of that matter? Who is this man sitting with my family? Uh, he wasn't dressed like he was part of the wait staff. Uh, they all wore blue blazers. And he was uh, wearing a dark gray suit. Or either a, a manager or his eyes lifted to mine at my approach. And I felt a dim twinge of something at his gaze. Uh, fear? Eh, uh, recognition? Did I know this man? Nah, I don't think so. But it was all so strange. Uh, not just the man himself, but how everyone at the table was acting. Uh, even before he noticed me, the man was just looking around silently, uh, not talking to Cassie or the kids uh, like I expect if he'd been invited or uh, invited himself to sit down with strangers. He wasn't paying them much attention at all, in fact. Cassie and our two little girls were all staring at him, though. Uh, not saying or doing much of anything, just staring, as though uh, they didn't know he didn't belong, but weren't quite sure what to do about it. Frowning, I uh, finished closing the distance to the table and uh, looked down at him. Uh, uh, can I help you, sir? Uh, he just looked at me for a second as though uh, weighing something, and then he finally did speak. I felt another wave of what I thought might be deja vu wash over me. Yeah, do, do you know who I am? I went to respond, but then hesitated. Did I know him? Uh, should I? Something pushed back against these thoughts as anger 
flared in my belly. No, I'm not here trying to have a nice dinner with my family. And, and this, this intruder comes and starts freaking him out and asking me questions. Scowling down at him, I shook my head. No, I don't. And I'd like to know what you're doing at our table. Well, I saw it. He seemed uh, like a pained look passed across his face briefly as he let on a side. Hey, I just sat down, and I'll try to explain. Uh, when I didn't move, oh, oh, he gestured to the empty chair next to him. Yeah, please. My stomach twisted in on itself as I looked around the room. Ah, uh, there was another eight to ten tables full of customers all around, uh, to say nothing of the waiters moving to and fro between them. Uh, no one seemed to notice the man at our table or be generally looking in our direction, so either he hadn't done anything too strange or bad before he came out, or he was supposed to be there, just like I was. And, uh, and if there's uh, some kind of trouble or problem, uh, maybe I should hear him out. Swallowing, I sank into the empty chair. Nodding, he folded his hands in front of him and stared down at them. Uh, what, do you, what do you think you're doing here? And I raised an eyebrow. Well, uh, I'm trying to have dinner with my wife and children. I glanced over at Connie and, and tried to give her uh, a comforting smile. Uh, turning back to him, I went on. Uh, look, uh, what's going on? Oh, he looked up when I mentioned my family, his eyes following mine to where Cassie was silently watching. Uh, so these things, uh, they look like... They look like your wife and kids to you. Uh, do you ever have a wife and kids? Oh, I stared at him numbly. Well, of course I do. An expression darkening, he leaned toward me. All right, uh, tell me about him. When I went to argue, he raised a hand and spoke again in a softer tone. Uh, please, humor me. Mmm, licking my lips. Oh, I gave a dry laugh. And I don't uh, see what this has to do with anything. But if it will get this over with, fine. I gestured toward my youngest. This is Casey. Uh, she's five years old. Uh, just started kindergarten, didn't you, sweetheart? Shifting over to the girl sitting next to her, I continued. Uh, and this is Pennylope. She's ple... Uh, how did you pronounce her name? Uh, Pennylope? Why? You're not pronouncing her name right. Uh, do you realize that you're saying penny like a pasta and lope like a dog running across the field? Pennylope. It gave me a small, tight grin. Like uh, how a kid says it before they know how to pronounce it. And I felt uncomfortable stir, confused anger, and shot, uh, shot him a dark look. I'm saying it right, Pennylope. Uh, it's pronounced Penelope. My face reddening, I gave a defiant shrug. Whatever, uh, people say things different ways, but uh, quit changing the subject. Uh, why are you at, what about your, uh, I saw a look of disgust cross his face. Your, uh, uh, wife. Uh, tell me about her. Despite my growing irritation and fear, I found myself wanting to answer his questions. Licking my lips, I gave her another smile. Ah, she's wonderful. She works with numbers, the man raised an eyebrow. It works with them how? My heart was beating faster now as I racked my brain. Oh, I, I knew what my wife did for a living. Of course I did. Uh, but what is it called? I needed to answer. This is so strange, terrible, mocking man would go away and leave us alone. Um... Uh, she's a counter. Cassie helps people with uh, business and stuff. An accountant, I nodded, a palpable sense of relief flooding me. Yeah, uh, that's what it's called, an accountant. Connie's tone, uh, Connie's one of those. He had been staring in her direction, but his eyes cut back to mine. Connie, 
I thought you said her name was Cassie. And I felt my mouth drifting open as the panicky uncertainty uh, began clawing at my insides again. Uh, yeah, uh, did I say Connie? I meant Cassie. Uh, I must have messed up. <laughs> I laughed awkwardly. Uh, been a long day, I guess. Has it been? Uh, what have you been doing before you got here? I gave a start. Uh, what? He jested around the restaurant. Before you and, well, you and your family. Before you all came here tonight. Uh, where were you? What were you doing? Uh, what do you mean? Leaning forward, he gripped my arm tightly. Oh, you know what I mean, Johnny. Uh, do you remember anything before coming to this restaurant? Uh, any place or event before being here? Oh, I tried to pull away weakly as I stammered my response. I, uh, my name's not Johnny. I, I don't have to answer your questions. Uh, who are you anyway? He squeezed my arm harder. I'm, no. They said I have to do it like a story. Uh, said I'd lose you if I just say it. You have to remember on your own. Glancing around again, oh, I let out a hiss. You're crazy. No one else is paying attention, maybe. But when I start yelling, they sure will. And if uh, you don't want that to happen, you better leave us alone right now. I would lowered my eyes as my I made my threat. But when I looked up again, instead of seeing fear or anger in the man's face, I, I saw a terrible sadness. Oh, his eyes were shining as he gave my arm a gentler squeeze and, and then wiped his eyes. I remember that. I, it's not playing attention, it's paying attention. You, he stopped himself and let out a sigh. Look, uh, let me tell you a story. And if it doesn't make uh, you remember anything or understand why I'm here, I'll leave the table, okay? Uh, I gave a small shrug. Uh, fine, just tell me whatever you want to tell me. Uh, he nodded and began. Well, that's pretty interesting. I think it's probably a good spot to uh, take a little break. Uh, and we can talk about something else that's also uh, an interesting story. A man named Stephen. Stephen Dorglis. Stephen Dorglis uh, grew up in rural Minnesota, and he always wished that he could provide more for his family than he had before. His father and mother uh, barely worked the farm because of their drug habit, and so he wished that he could help them by providing for them in some small way. So he started by trying to do uh, little pottery figurines from the mud in the back of their home, and then he'd bake it in the oven, which the drug-addled mother didn't care because she never cooked anything, uh, so he always, you know, next to the pizzas, he'd always just, like, add a little a clay figurine that he'd stick back there and let it harden, and then he'd go sell it. He'd sell it at market, and so uh, that did okay, but it didn't, things didn't really pick up until he learned that if you take a bunch of marbles, take a bunch of marbles, and you stick them in like a bowl or a plate and you shove it in the oven, uh, boy, those things melt down. And oh, you got glass. Oh, he found out people love that. It's all decorative and weird. So he started making weird shapes so that people hang them up in their windows. Uh, and except for the fact that a few of them uh, were just bent in such a weird way that you could actually, uh, uh, like, it did the thing like the like the magnifying glass where the sun came through and wound up burning houses. So it's not a, an exact science uh, for Stephen. But when he finally did it, he realized uh, people love this stuff. And he decided to start his own company when he turned 25. And he called it Doorglass Incorporated. That's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. Oh, they're dedicated to fabricating, professionally installing the highest quality glass products from the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with their years of experience, make them the premier source for installation and repair. Oh, they approach every project with the same goals. Professionalism, integrity, 
And in the case of trying to create some sort of telescopic uh, glass where you can see into your neighbor's home and without them knowing that you're doing it because you turn off all the lights in your house and they can't see that your eye is projected giant through the glass and that you're watching them as they're doing their dishes or taking a crap, they're discreet. What do they do? Commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repaired, and they design and build anything you want. Do you want a bunch of melted marbles that wind up making up an entire glass door to your house? They'll do it. Do you want some kind of spyglass decorative window thing that you can watch your neighbors uh, get naked in? They'll do it uh, if you ask them and you have the money. Their clients are Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman-Williams, Portillo's, which is a sandwich shop no one cares about, the Salt Cave, which actually drove past uh, last weekend and realized uh, it's just this tiny little shop. A tiny little shop that's just kind of sitting there, uh, part of like a, a little a mini mall that's even more mini than a mini mall. It's just like three buildings just laying there, and it's one of them. It doesn't have an upstairs. It's just got the, the main area. Do they got a basement? Maybe. I don't know. But basically, it's just one floor. They must have a room that has all the uh, Himalayan salt lamp things that are lit from behind to make everything look all eerie and ethereal. Uh, that's it. It looked pretty crappy. Uh, we drove past it. I go, oh, that's... Uh, uh, that's 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 the place. That's the salt cave. And my family said, "Yeah, that's the salt cave." And I said, "The place looks like crap. Uh, no wonder they don't want you to touch the walls because the walls, made of Himalayan salt, are probably the only things." holding that turd up. Uh, so whatever you do, it says on the website, don't touch the walls. You can go there. You can go there and do all your yoga and God knows what else. Massage. They rub your calves. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's creepy and I hate the place. They don't want you to touch the walls. The only thing that makes you want to go to this dumb place is the dumb walls. You can't even touch them, much less lick them. So they have that. And uh, Applebee's. Well, with that, why don't we leave uh, the library and retire up to the master bedroom where we can spread out uh, my beautiful silken sheets my heart-shaped bed and I can read to you uh, the latest in upcoming literature from Penguin Random House Books. I'm coming. I'm coming. I just had to check on the meatloaf. Oh, look at you. Oh, you're dressed as a sexy cop. Finally, you're wearing something I can get into. This is the second time. I'm proud of you. Half the time you're dressed as like a horse person or some sort of scientist with a twitch. But no, this time you're dressed as a sexy cop. There we go. This is a good base to start from. What did you? Uh, what book did you bring this to? Uh, you brought Glory and Death. Uh, by J.D. Robb. It's part of the In-Depth series. Uh, that's great. Uh, let's learn about uh, Glory and Death. Lieutenant Eve Dallas never wavers in her search for justice. Ooh, this sounds great. But in this gripping novel in the uh, number one New York Times best-selling In-Depth series, really... Uh, does anyone get a New York Times best-selling title? Uh, do you just pay 50 bucks or something? Is it like transferring a car? Uh, whatever title is like. It's ridiculous. Uh, she'll learn that matters of the heart are never black and white. The first victim was found lying on a sidewalk in the rain. The second was murdered in her own apartment building. Uh, Police Lieutenant Eve Dallas had no problem finding connections between the two crimes. Both victims were beautiful. Uh, 
highly successful women, uh, their glamorous lives and loves were the talk of the city, and their intimate relations with men of great power and wealth uh, provided Eve with a long list of suspects, including her own lover, Rourke. As a woman, Eve was compelled to trust the man who shared her bed. But as a cop, it was her job to follow every lead, to investigate every scandalous rumor, to explore every secret passion, no matter how dark or, or, or how dangerous. Want to hear some uh, reviews? Uh, I got a couple. Oh, from real places. Uh, sexy. A perfect balance of suspense, futuristic police procedural, and a steamy romance. That comes from Publishers Weekly. That's a real place. Uh, some authors break the rules very successfully. A very uh, rare few define them. Nora Roberts, writing is J.D. Robb. Oh, you just gave away the writer's secret little uh, thing. That's, that's not cool. Uh, is a spectacular innovator who always leaves her fans desperate for more, says RT Book Reviews. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, Glory and Death by J.D. Robb. Uh, it's a suspense romance, and it's coming out March 29th. Uh, you can pre-order it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. Well, with that, uh, ooh, just like looking at your suit. You did great. Uh, but why don't you put on some normal clothes? We can go back down to the library. But, uh, where the... Wear the police officer's hat when you come down. You can put on normal clothes, but just wear the police officer's hat. I don't, I don't want to give up this delicious little moment we shared as we finish the rest of the story. I hear you come, seating yourself in the library. Uh, you didn't wear the hat. I had one request. You finally wore a successful sexy outfit for a romance corner, and you didn't wear the hat. I asked you just to wear the hat. So I didn't ask you to walk around topless. I told you just wear the hat. You're the worst. I don't know why I even invite you over here anymore. When I was a kid, uh, like 13 or so, I lost my little brother. He, he was my best friend. He was only seven at the time, but he was cool, you know. Uh, oh, the age difference didn't matter to us. Oh, we hung out every day. During the summers, we'd go off together all day sometimes. Fishing, or walking to town, or finding out of uh, the way places to explore. Uh, one day, we found this old, decrepit gas station out in the middle of nowhere. Now, when I say eh, in the middle of nowhere, I mean just that. We weren't on a road or anything. We were just stuck out in the woods uh, with nothing more than a, a pig path leading to it. Uh, and well, it, it did look like old and rotten. Uh, even at 13, I knew to see that it, it wasn't so old that the road leading to it would have been completely eaten up by time and the forest. Uh, it's in the wrong place. And the place itself, well, it felt wrong, too. I wasn't going to... Uh, take us in. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I, I really wasn't. But my brother, oh, he's excited about it. And he knew it was weird, too, of course. He, he was young, but pretty smart for his age. Uh, but where the strangeness of it all made me nervous and scared, it seemed to excite him. Oh, he wanted to go in to check it out. And I told him we'd get in trouble, that it was trespassing. But he was already shaking his head, said it was way too old for anyone to care, uh, and said the only reason I didn't want to go in was is, is I was too scared. Oh, I told him no, uh, but he wouldn't have liked it, uh, so he would have listened to me. We were friends, but I was still his older brother. 
uh, still responsible for, uh, yeah, yeah, keeping him safe. And he knew that, too. He trusted me. And when I said no and meant it, he listened to me. But, uh, stupid week, I uh, loved how much he looked up to me, and I didn't want him to think I was too chicken to go into an old rundown building just because it was weird and creepy. Uh, back then, it was hard for me to like myself sometimes. And seeing the way he saw me, well... I was more scared of losing that than just about anything, I guess, so I took his hand and went into the building. Uh, at first, it just seemed like uh, what it looked like. Uh, there was broken glass, uh, rusty metal shelves, uh, counters, and a, a register covered with a thick layer of dirt and grime. Oh, we, we poked around that ruin for a few minutes before things started to change. Uh, the air got warmer, uh, for one, and it had uh, been a hot day already, but the air inside that place had gone from slightly muggy uh, to boiling hot in less than a minute, and the air seemed thicker, too, uh, like you were pushing through water uh, more than air. It was, uh, it was uncomfortable enough that when I said it was time to go, my brother didn't argue. Uh, we were halfway to the door when we saw the first of the worms. Uh, they were all three or four feet long, fat and wriggling as they crawled out of the walls and shadowy corners of the place. Uh, their skin was bright green and peppered with darker spots that looked like uh, small spines or crusty places on their two tight bulges. Uh, they looked kind of like caterpillars in, in, in some ways, uh, but they were banded and thicker in the middle like a, uh, like a, like a maggot. Uh, the ends tapering to small points that seemed to have no face other than uh, mouths that bit at the air as they rolled and writhed in our direction. Oh, we were terrified. Uh, I tried to get us out. I kept hold of my brother's hand until I cleared the door. But uh, then he was snatched away, and I turned back and I was going to go back for him, I swear. Uh, and when I tried to enter again, I couldn't. The thickening air had turned into a wall now. And I couldn't do anything as I watched him. I watched him get pulled back into the dark of that place. Uh, and I was still screaming and beating on the invisible something holding me back. And then I was waking up. The sun was lower in the sky now. And I was lying in the grass outside the gas station. Or where the gas station had been. Because uh, now it was gone. I spent the next... Uh, you left me. I could hear the sad anger in my voice even as my eyes began to fill with tears. I didn't understand what I was saying, not exactly, but I somehow knew it was right all the same. You left me. The words just oozed from me, thick and painful, like pressure escaping a suddenly too tight wound. The man had stopped mid-sentence, the air seeming to have gone out of him as he stared at me, his lower lip trembling, starting to shake his head. He leaned forward, his voice Barely above a whisper, I swear I never stopped looking for you, Johnny. It's, it's been 23 years, but I never stopped trying. I never gave up. Never, never forgave myself for not keeping you safe. He swallowed as he lowered his gaze. But I never got anywhere. I uh, never even understood what I was really looking for, if I'm honest. I frowned at him. Then how did you find me? I shook his head again. Uh, in the end, I guess it was luck or fate. I don't know. Uh, I helped these people a few weeks ago, a man and his niece. They, I don't know what they were, uh, but, they don't, uh, but they know things. They have access to things that normal people don't. And when I was done helping them, the niece told me to let them know if they could ever return the favor. Somehow I knew right away that they could help me find you. I took them, uh, it took them some time, uh, but they found out enough to help me understand what I was looking for and how to find it, how to find you. I caught motion out of the corner of my eye and looked around the dining room. 
All the customers, including my family, in quotes, were silently staring at us now. A shiver crawled up my spine as I looked back at the man and my brother. Uh, where, uh, where are we? He had noticed the new attention we were getting, and his voice was tight with tension when he spoke again. Uh, uh, There are stories of things, uh, angels that came down to earth and bred with people, uh, created monsters that didn't belong to this world or any other, uh, and that's what they had read. But they didn't believe it. Uh, The uncle, my brother, Michael, Micah, uh, he held up the back of his hand and pointed out a small bump underneath his skin. You see this? Uh, This is the BB you shot me with when you were, uh, six. It's always there, and over time, it's moved around some, but it doesn't really belong there. He, uh, he said this place, this thing we're in, it's like that. It moves around under the skin of this world like a, like a BB or a tumor. Sometimes it breaks the surface, and I don't know why, it's it's just to trick someone inside. My mind was racing in a dozen different directions, but something else had begun to sink in. Uh, did you say you've been looking for me for 23 years? Eh? Micah nodded at me sadly. Yeah, I, yeah, I have. I'm, I'm so... A dozen chairs scraped loudly around us. Uh, the others were all rising to their feet. Micah froze uh, for a second and then began reaching into his suit jacket. Oh, his voice tight but steady as he spoke in low tones. The thing is sick, I think. Maybe even dying. Otherwise, I don't know if I could have gotten back in once I found it. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not dangerous. If anything, it'll fart, fight, fart, fight harder to keep you. <laughs> Maybe keep both of us now. He pulled out a bundle of folded cloth and sat on the table in front of us. He looked at the bundle uh, and then back up at me. I don't know what's in here. Uh, but they said I shouldn't see it until I was ready to use it. Uh, that if I knew anything about it, that this place, this thing, might be able to see it in my mind and stop me. But I'm about to open it now, so when I do, I'll try to use it if I can. And if it works, uh, you have to be ready to run. He licked his lips, gave me a smile. And you don't stop running until you're out safe, okay? I wanted to ask more questions, but I knew there was no time. The others were just standing and watching, listening. Uh, But that could change any moment, so I just nodded. Returning my nod, he reached for the bundle of cloth and began to open it. Oh, they won't attack if they can avoid it, because they want to maintain the dream. He glanced over at the people. I still had trouble not seeing as my wife and children. Isn't that right, fuckers? But we have to be. And he lifted the last layer and revealed a large needle filled with a dark brown fluid. Without hesitating, he picked it up and slammed it into the table, pushing the plunger down. Immediately, the things around us began to squeal, oh, and shift as the room seemed to flicker and start melting around us. Grabbing my hand, Micah stood up and screamed for me to run. The people weren't people anymore, but instead were gray versions of the fat worms he had described. They lunged at us feebly as we passed, their skin cracking and oozing with the effort as they flopped and flailed after us. My stomach rolled as everything around us changed over and over again. A restaurant, uh, a house, uh, a pink fleshy cave, a, a gas station. The air was growing hot and thick, and I felt my hand grow slick in Micah's as my heart started to pound harder. It was uh, going to keep me, keep us. I had to. Uh, Then, when the cool air hit me, the shock took my breath away. I stumbled as I began to gasp, but Micah kept me on my feet, grabbing my elbow and pulling me forward. We were in the middle of an old cracked asphalt parking lot, and 50 feet away was a pickup truck. Don't stop until we're in the truck. 
sucking in new air. I kept going, my legs shaking with every step. I felt so weak uh, and slow now, like I'd been sick a long time and just starting to move around again. Uh, I almost fell again, but Micah yanked me back up and pushed me forward before opening the door and helping me climb into the pickup. We didn't stop driving for an hour. And by the time we did, I had my, more of my memory back. We finally stopped in the next town and called our parents, and I started crying when I heard their voices for the first time since, well, a very long time. That was all six weeks ago, and I write this now both to record what happened to us uh, and to reassure myself that it's finally all over. Uh, I have a lot to learn, a lot to catch up on, and I have to build a life in a world I've been away from for so long. And even now, there are times I dream about the lives I've lived in the belly of that monster. If I ever miss them, I don't mention that to Micah or admit it to myself. Instead, I'm focused on what's to come and all I have to be grateful for. I want to make the most of my second chance, and that includes helping others the way I've been helped. That's the other reason I'm writing this, as a warning. There are places and things that live underneath the skin of this world. And just because you don't see them or even believe in them doesn't mean they aren't real. So be careful. Be smart. Don't trick yourself into thinking nothing exists outside your little bubble of reality. Because the things you don't see or believe can swallow you whole. Well, with that, uh, why don't we go down to the smoking room? Where my girlfriend uh, had me put up a parakeet in a cage to make the place seem classy, and now I hate being there. Uh, and we can review what we read in this story. Well, there you are. Get settled here in the smoking room and try to ignore the bird that my girlfriend installed in here. Uh, and let's try to review what we read in this uh, story. Uh, it starts off where uh, a man is just trying to have dinner with his wife and kids. He makes the mistake of using the restroom, even though it's beautiful in there. There's a little man handing out towels. Uh, it, and then he uh, comes back to find that there's a stranger sitting at his table. Stranger won't leave. Everyone around him is acting like they don't even really care or know about the stranger. No one seems upset about the stranger at all. Uh, and as they talk, uh, you start to learn that uh, the main character, uh, his wife, isn't really real. The children aren't really real. Nothing that he's experiencing is real. He doesn't seem to have any memories that lead up to, uh, up to this moment uh, that he's having this dinner. And he's kind of showing out, uh, he's showing him sort of how, like, Matrix style, this is all made up. You're living in a simulated kind of experience, a dream that's being projected onto you against your will. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, I definitely like the little touches about uh, how he only has understanding of things as a child would, because that's when he got locked in there, and 20 years later he's still experiencing this. Uh, so, uh, and then in the end he helps him get out because there's mysterious kind of sham shaman types that uh, gave him a mysterious instrument, uh, just a syringe with some kind of fluid in it, uh, said, uh, you know, don't look at it, don't you know what it is, because they'll read your mind, yeah, burp, and they'll get you, and they'll, they'll prevent you from getting in there. So he uses it, stabs it in the table, turns out it's a bunch of worms, they run out of there, and now his life is, is back to normal as it can be. Uh, what's good about this? Like I just said, uh, you have the aspect of a child going in and then having his memories manipulated. So his entire world is constructed from a child's point of view. So the wife is just good with numbers. Uh, keeps calling his daughter Penelope and that kind of thing. 
so those are really good touches. I actually enjoyed that. Uh, what sucks? Um, can't really think of anything that sucks about this story. Uh, I did like the angle of the angels that mated with humans or whatever, and they were creating things that shouldn't be here. Uh, maybe flesh that out a tiny bit more, but I think it was pretty good on its own. I did really need to read a lot more about that. I guess I can't find it. I can't find anything that sucks about it. Uh, what did we learn? You can't trust anything. You can't trust the people you love. Because uh, as soon as you begin to trust them, you become complacent. And when you become complacent, those quote-unquote people that you love will kill you in your sleep. Or just suck the life out of you uh, for eternity. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening to this episode. And thanks to the author for letting me read it. Uh, and next week, uh, I will be reading The Castle of Terror by Carolyn Farr, uh, a book written in the 70s. It's a gothic romance novel, uh, and all the pages are yellow. Can't get it on an ebook. I actually had to special order this, and uh, eh, hopefully they don't sue me. Well, uh, thanks, and I'll talk to you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So I got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.